Please state the nature of the medical emergency. Well, no radiation so far. I'm sure you're glad to hear that. Get off my bridge. You see? You see? They are insane. Are you able to cease thinking on command? Sir, I protest. I am not a merry man. I don't know about the rest of you, but I feel lucky today. What, is there an echo in here? Sci-fi Saturday night. Computer, status report. Don't blink. Don't even blink. Blink and you're dead. No! It's wrong! Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Welcome, 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 everyone, to TalkCast 78, uh, appropriately titled the TalkCast Horror Picture Show, Picture saying, show saying, well, there's an well, echo, there's in, here an echo in here once again. <laughs> I knew Leo G. Carroll was over a barrel when Tarantula <laughs> took to the hills, <laughs> and I really <laughs> got hot <laughs> when I saw when Jeanette I saw Scott by the tripping Spitz Moisen and Kills. Yes. Horrible. Dana Andrews said prunes. Okay, and Horrible Illustrator X, you're echoing, so if you could deal with that. There, how's that? Um, That's better. Not better. No, not better. <sighs> Best laid plans. Again? Area 51, noticing a light over at the Frankenstein's place at the underground movie theater. <laughs> I am the dome. Wow, that echo is just annoying as hell tonight. And joining the talk cast tonight from the Alston Brighton Hellmouth, is it Columbia or Magenta? You decide because it's Kriana. Yeah, whichever. <laughs> and from the Four Color Vault of Manchester, New Hampshire, the Brad and Janet of our little fun house, Illustrator X and the Dead Redhead. Say, Dome, does anyone here know how to Madison? Why is it every time I need to get somewhere, I get waylaid by jackassery? And from outpost over the podcast. <laughs> and from outpost Gallifrey in Indiana, doing the time warp. It's our own Doctor Frank Inferter, awake by Java. I'm just a sweet transvestite from <laughs> transsexual. Transylvania. Transylvania. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought it was transsexual Indiana. Could have been. Uh, <laughs> it's actually, as before. Actually, I am in Indiana this week, uh, sitting on the couch in Outpost Galfrey, which is which is odd because every other weekend this month I'm out of town, culminating in Boston Comic Con at the end of the month. Woo. Yes. And on oh, that, right. our guest tonight in the second half of our extravaganza, you might know him from his comic series Echo, which is wrapping up, or his upcoming new series, Rachel Rising, but you can see him because he's a featured guest at Boston Comic Con, coming up April 30th and May 1st. Our guest tonight is renowned artist Terry Moore in our second half hour. And in our first half, yes, okay, we can have the applause. And in our first half hour tonight, the one thing that we, geez, for an incredibly slow news week, this has just been an incredibly, incredibly slow news week. So we're going to make stuff up. Yeah. Your job, figure out what's real, what's not. 
It's time to play truth or bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Once again. Nice. Brianna. Yeah, okay. So, Brown Coast Redemption. Use it or lose it. Go pick up the DVD. You have, wait for it, wait for it, 143 days, 23 hours, 55 minutes, and 24, 23, 22 seconds. And how would you know exactly how many minutes and seconds there are? Well, there's there's a really nifty counter that somebody who's really smart, and I also hear gorgeous, installed on our front page. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Mr. Technophile himself. <laughs> hey, you know, never let it be said that he doesn't know his way around a CMS. Or do let it be said. I'm not. Let, let that be said because I'm not even going to talk about the the panicked email that I got this morning that says my computer won't talk. I can't make it make any sounds. Please. <laughs> Did you try the mute button? No, I had tried the hockey stick and the baseball bat, and then it started. Oh, so you need Ninja Turtles version to make it work. Good job. <laughs> anyway, you can use the coupon code SFSN2011 for $1 off uh, Brown Coats Redemption. That's the new Blu-ray edition. And I've got a better deal for you. If uh, you'd like to come and meet the producer, director, and the editor of Brown Coats Redemption at GraniteCon May 15th, and get them to autograph their copy of it. You can buy it right there at the Sci-Fi Saturday Night Table, May 15th at You Grand can? Com- Who, wait, who's stocking this? I'm sure that he's bringing stuff with him. I'm, I'm pretty sure that he doesn't stock them, but we can ask him. <laughs> no, th- this, was, this was an FAQ on the website, like, like, can we sell them? And you can't stock them unless you buy them in advance. So unless you're fronting the money... <laughs> You can get an autograph. Get it online. Bring it to Granite Con. You can get an autograph. Here, here. And if you get it online, you can get a dollar off on our website. There we go. There you go. There's the selling point. So what's going on in this in this uh, slow news week, guys? Well, I think any any sci-fi franchises have any news? Well, I think (laughs) I think the funniest franchise news is China. China's the funniest. China's the funniest franchise. I I love their French fries. They're just fantastic. China's. Uh, Oh. That was was almost as bad as one of X jokes. No, no, it wasn't nearly that bad. Trust me. Uh. Anyway, so this week China has banned all time travel TV shows or films because. And I quote, they're mostly made up. <laughs> mostly! <laughs> and they're disrespectful to history. Which ones were real? <laughs> I don't wait, 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 wait. The quote, the official quote from the television director committee meeting on April 1st, which frankly would have, should have been a giveaway that it was, this was put out on April 1st, but in China they have no sense of humor. <laughs> the con- its content and the exaggerated performance style are questionable. Many stories are totally made up. No. <laughs> oh, sorry. Many stories are made up. Oh, my, my bad. 
the producers <laughs> and writers are treating serious history in a frivolous way, which should by no means be encouraged anymore. Those so, bastards. So my question to you is this. The uh, Game of Thrones, which is coming on shortly, correct? Yeah. Oh. Yay. Yes. <laughs> Yay. Okay. That's, that's, that doesn't take... That treats serious history in a frivolous way. So I'm guessing it's not going to be allowed to air in China. I don't know that it's necessarily no, it's, time travel, though. I think Doctor no. Who is probably banned in China. Yeah. But what they're, that's not what they're saying. Our tr producers and writers are treating serious history in a frivolous way. So Abbott and Costello meet the Knights of the Round Table is not going to be able to be seen. Right. That's but, true. Or, but they're or not the talking about... Doctor Who. <laughs> they're not talking about, uh, about series or, or television shows that are set in another time period. They're talking about time travel shows, right? Yeah, so yeah. So historical fiction they... is fine. Right. But uh, regardless, Game of Thrones isn't historical fiction. Well, yes. And well, you know... It's mostly made up. Mostly. <laughs> Which parts are real? <laughs> well, I think the fact that they swords. rode horses and swords... Swords are there real. There was a lot of blood. That was real. Sean Bean is real. There are games and there are thrones. This has been validated. Okay. <laughs> Dragons. Dragons yeah. are real. You know, we um, I swear, well, this seen, I, I Don't swear, ruin this for me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but speaking of Game of Thrones, uh, HBO did a preview, a premiere, sort of, uh, like a pre-premiere. Uh, of the first 15 minutes of the premiere. Uh, this was uh, almost a week ago on Sunday. And so we get to see the first 12 minutes of the premiere, which is just enough of a taste to make your mouth water and your loins burn for this show. <laughs> I am intentionally not watching it because uh, I, I was think... going to say that there's ointment for that. But... <laughs> <laughs> It's going to be such a good show, and and I'm I'm just beside myself. I'm besotted hey, already. Speaking of making your loins burn, your loins burn. Uh, oh, let's Lord. talk about George Takei. Oh, I was oh, thinking Lord. Adrian Palicki again. Really? Same <laughs> <laughs> thing. Well, if you saw, if you see the little bit, which we're going to be having a link on the site, and I did put it on the Twitter. About George Takei did a fake audition for Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, and he was in a full harness to be, and that's what made me think, because <laughs> there's a point where they pull him up on the harness, and you see him, like, kind of grab his, uh, his, uh, <laughs> his man parts. <laughs> his harness got a little tight, I think. <laughs> and it's absolutely hilarious. <laughs> Um, actually pushing his own musical that he's going to be in, which I believe is called Assessment. Oh, who cares what it's picked? So I, I'd go see anything for <laughs> Takai's in, to be honest, but it, it was just absolutely hilarious. So is, if you haven't seen it, it's only like two or three minutes long. It's worth the time. You sure he's not like Johnny Depp's understudy for Dark Shadows? I, I'm sure. Okay. I'm sure. And, and you know, if, if you, if you oh, enjoy... Oh, we could do Dark Shadows. Well, we can't do Dark Shadows in China because they were always going back in time. Yeah, no, well, that would not be cool. They travel in time. Not <laughs> cool, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and if you watch George Takei's audition and you start to get nostalgic for rubber suits and, uh, you know, 
sparkly costumes and horrible choreography. Um, <laughs> you can you can always go and watch the the HD version of the original series of Star Trek on Netflix starting July first, I think. Woot woot. Which would be a waste of your time. But if you go and watch the next generation, yes. Amen to that. Whoa! And, and if you're if you're a completionist, you can also watch Enterprise, though you know why. Are you serious? I'm, I'll, I'll pray for why. your soul. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Enterprise. So, but all of the Star Trek, uh, every single series is coming to Netflix uh, either in July or I think Deep Space Nine is the only one that's going to take until October. Yeah, before it's on there. Oh, and, how and, will okay. I ever get through the summer? And uh, the original Reruns series. And... <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be better. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> the original series and Enterprise are going to be in HD. So there you go. How do you how do you have the HD original series? Do they even have cameras that shot at that resolution? Because no. because they shot on film, um... and they can and they can go back and take the. They absolutely original. can. And, and yeah, they were should... sharing cameras with F Troop. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, they were done at Desilu Studios, so yeah, they absolutely were sharing studios with probably F Troop. Probably were, you're right. Nice. You know, it's interesting because uh, uh, Jonathan Frakes just did an interview, uh, and in the interview he talked about a lot of things. He talked about his producing Bar Karma. Uh, and directing part of uh, the new Bar Karma series. But he also talked about, in the interview, something that kind of blew me away, that at one point, uh, both Shatner and Frakes had gone to Paramount with TV series of Star Trek to uh, bring Star Trek back to television, and were told unconditionally, no. Well, I mean, in the case of Shatner, you can kind of see their point. Exactly. Yeah, you absolutely can. You absolutely can. But Jonathan Frakes. In yeah. fact, I think that I think that this was Paramount's uh, reaction to to that uh, pitch from Shatner. No, 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 <laughs> no, no. Go back to the set of shit my dad says. End of story. And raw nerve. And... Wow. Now when did now when did they hit up Paramount for this though? Was this back so in they, the? No, this is this is uh, recently. So I'm told. I'm led to believe that it was recently. About the time that Shatner was told that he wouldn't be appearing in the new Star Trek film? You know, it could well have been. It it well could have been. And that's interesting, too, because uh, Star Trek 12, because they're now decided to keep it. I'm sorry, Star Trek what? Star Trek 12. Stupid. But it's Star Trek Two, isn't it? No, it's twelve. I mean, wait, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't wasn't the whole point of the last movie to say that none of the older series or movies ever happened? That is very true. Stupid. Well, <laughs> have you have you so caught really, on? Really, if you're gonna order it on this? Netflix, there's nothing to order so on Netflix. So maybe it was an accident, and they meant Star Trek One Point Two. Yeah, I'm excited for the next Star Trek film because. You know, I liked the Star Trek reboot. I did. It was fantastic. Yeah, it was actiony, and were there breasts? I think there were breasts. There were breasts. In, there were in my, 
in my the head, there were breasts. There. No, they yeah. were there. They were not like the Total there. Recall breasts, but yeah. <laughs> no, because there were not three. There were actually only two. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know what though? Like, where where did you see it said twelve? Because I've always seen them going Star Trek two, Star Trek two. So Air, uh, Air it was on Chinese television. It came from the future. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it was Airlock Alpha. Hmm. Yeah, same thing. I, I'd still be a little suspicious of that. Pretentious nerds. <laughs> I am a pretentious nerd. Leave me alone. <laughs> no, I was talking about Airlock Alpha. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh. Mike Hinman, you haven't been on the show in a really long time, and um, we're gonna rip on you a little bit. But you know what? If you're if you're tired of all of the Star Trek news and you have to get your Star Wars on, if you need to, you know, root for the Jedi. Oh, baby, Sith, get my lightsaber on. Um, you could always pre-order your tickets for Star Wars The Musical. Or I could shoot myself in the face. It would be more fun. <laughs> with oh, with a blaster? Sure. I shot first. Pokey <laughs> religions and ancient oh. weapons are no, no replacement for a good blaster. The script and book <laughs> were actually written and produced and are up on Vimeo. And I'm going to post the link to it on the website. You do that. And I've got to tell you, uh, I have never been in such pain in my entire life. Well, you could have been if you'd gone to see the Spider-Man musical. Possibly. <laughs> Possibly, going to have the same production value as the Christmas special with B. Arthur singing there? I think it's it going to be worse. worse. I'll, I'll, tell you, oh. I'll tell you one place where you would have been in more pain. In the meeting where they decided to change the name of Rise of the Apes the sequel to Planet of the Apes, to Rise of the Planet of the Apes. That was your segue how many How many prepositional phrases do we really need in a movie title? <laughs> That's a good point. I mean, really? Well, wait till next year when it's Son of Rise of the Planet of the Apes. <laughs> now, they're just trying to do the whole thing with the Dark Knight, you know, Rising, rises. Yeah. yeah. Which... So- which we are not talking about today, but there's some there's some news coming out of the Dark Knight Rises that sounds really good. Uh, it's already been um, revealed that um, the nemesis in the movie is going to be uh, Ra Al whatever his name is. Raj Al Ghul. Yeah, from the uh, from the, the first, first movie. movie. So, well, no, they said he's going to be in a flashback sequence. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Which I mean, again. If you read the comics, the whole point of the character is he does keep getting killed, and then they put him in, in a, Lazarus his, a Lazarus pit, which is basically Epsom salts. And when he comes out of it, he's alive again and ready to take on Batman. With with his skin fresh and new and, and glowing. That's right. Smooth like really a baby's fresh. bottom. Absolutely. Smooth hey, I gotta, as I a baby's bottom. I got bottom. something I want to uh, bring up to the uh, group. Uh, io9, which is a, a website that I kind of like a lot. Um, yeah. put together a post uh, 10 sci-fi films that are better than Serenity and The Empire Strikes Back. Okay, well I think you need some Combined. background on this. Hang on. You need some background okay. on this because they did a March Madness sort of thing of sci-fi movies and regardless of whether I agree with their original picks, Serenity and Empire were the last two standing. Absolutely. So that's where that came from. Okay. However... Their subsequent picks are complete bullshit. <laughs> oh. Can we run Such them down? As? 
What, okay. Zardoz? Go ahead, run them down, Dome. <laughs> okay. From 10 to 1. 10 to 1. 10 okay. to 1. Now, 10 is Inception. Woohoo! What? Wow. Seriously. Best. One of the best sci-fi movies ever, and I will I will stand by that. A good science fiction movie, no question. But better than Serenity? Please. I'm not sure. Number nine. Um, Number nine? Stanley Kubrick's A Clockwork Orange. Absolute bullshit. Oh, I and there you're absolutely wrong. Because I think yeah, that one sits a, right up there with them. There's nothing science fiction about that movie. It's crappy it's, dystopia. Yes, it is, and it's fantastic. And I hate it. I'm on board Kubrick, but I love that movie. I hate that movie. Okay, you're entitled. All right, next, next, next. Number eight, Children of Men. What? I'm what? not there. Never saw it. What? Not there at all. I um, I don't no. know that it fits into this list, but it is a one of my favorite movies of all time. I I never okay. saw it. Serenity was better than Children of the Corn. I'll give it that. <laughs> I I read the book and it was a crappy book, so the movie okay. was fantastic. The movie was good, and the comment that they made, it's a stylish film that treats the audience with respect. I'll give you that much. Better? I'm not sure. Number seven? Okay. You sitting down? Wall E. What? (laughs) Why we never saw it? It might be. Still. No. Sorry. Stupid. It may be the best film of all time. Stupid. What is <laughs> Stupid. Okay, right now, just reach over and smack him in the head. So this we'll is basically wait. One more time, Java. One more time. Right? Stupid. Okay, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> Number six. six. The 1989 Batman. Stupid. What? <laughs> Michael Stupid. Jack. <laughs> now, now, don't get me wrong. I love that movie. But, but stupid. for an entirely different reason. Stupid. It is stupid. stupid. And stupid. <laughs> Jack Nicholson is a really, really creepy Joker. I mean, creepy in an entirely different way than what's his name. But yep, Heath Ledger is who you were looking for. <laughs> right. Heath Ledger. Yeah, that guy. Uh, He's dead. Yeah. Wait, you mean Jack Nicholson isn't? No, Fred not. <laughs> I don't know. He might be. See? Creepy. Super creepy. Okay, anyway. Um, <laughs> he's creepy because he's not dead. <laughs> Wait a minute. Number you know what? There five. Should there should be a law that you can't put a, a Michael Keaton film on the list. I agree. Number five. <laughs> Number five, Madeline Kahn's famous rendition of Oh Sweet Mystery of Life at Last I've Found You. Young Frankenstein? Young Frankenstein. You know, I gotta hand it to that movie. That is, and I'm dead serious, that is the only film I can think of where there's a rape scene where women think it's hilarious. <laughs> I've never play. understood that. I've never understood that. Or Terry Dyer doing her role in the hay. I, well, I, there I have you go. No, I have nothing to say about that. It just doesn't fit on the list. It yeah, just, yeah it doesn't, a that's, that's a, list. That doesn't fit at all. Yeah. But but from this point on, we get we get better. Yeah, number four, Moon. Oh, eh. oh I, so I awesome. still need to see that movie. Eh. So awesome. I have no interest okay. in seeing that movie. Java, I, I agree with you. It, it's an awesome film. It's still not at that level. Still not better than Serenity. I, not three? even close. Go ahead, Java. Uh, no. 
I'm not gonna Good say. Good night, that. Moon. Good night, Dune. Num no. Number three. <laughs> the Iron Giant. Shoot me now. What? Are you serious? The Iron Who Giant. Who did this list? Uh, uh, a person who was born did after 1980. Know? Clearly. I was born after Clearly. 1980, and yeah, I still think it's crappy. Yeah, and we found your list. <laughs> I think. I think. I think the Iron Giant. I wouldn't put it in the top ten, but it is a fantastic this is such movie. Such a weird list. I, I I agree with the Iron Giant being on the list, but not at the level where it is. It should be up in the eights or nines or tens, but not so not number is, three. So you're saying it is better than both Serenity and Empire? No, 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 no. no. I'm so not then it shouldn't be on this list. It should be down at the bottom of it, down in the 9 or the 10. No, right? no, no. These are all movies that are supposedly better than Serenity and Empire. I don't know what crack this person was smoking that made the list. But... <laughs> okay, so we're going to go two and one now. And in my mind, both of these could be perceived as at that same level. Alien, the original. Okay. Alien is an awesome movie. I'm okay with that. It's, really it's a, a mystery movie. movie. It's a it's freaking a scary movie. As long as and it's only the first one. Right. Just the right. first one. Right. Yeah. Scared the it, crap out of everyone. They and referenced it, it, it on Community. Yep. Yep. It has Harry Dean Stanton. That's right. Yeah. It, you and can have it has a bad Harry movie with Harry Dean. <laughs> yeah, you can. And I could list them, but I won't. Okay. And the only other film in this list that I think could just sit at that level with them? Repo Man. Blade Runner. Yes. And the cool thing was, and they were smart about this, director's cut, final cut, even theater cut, doesn't matter. It's a 30-year-old movie that looks like it could have been made yesterday. Yep. Even with the Atari billboards? Absolutely. Even sure. You shut your trap. <laughs> Do not okay. disparage Blade Runner. So, so now I'm going to say something that is not going to make me very popular right now. <laughs> okay. I love Serenity, and I love Firefly, but I don't think that Serenity is as good a movie as Empire. Well, that's beside the point. They were just the top two. But, but see, that that's the point. Right. I don't see why Serenity is up there. Serenity is a great film, but it's fan service. It's not. It doesn't stand on its own. It stands in addition oh, to Firefly. I think it stands on its own. It totally I think, is. It, I don't I think, think that if you if you evaluate it as a movie separate from the series, it 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 fits in the, into the same category as Empire and Blade Runner and Alien. We I don't had think never that seen. See, we had never seen Firefly when we saw the film Serenity. We saw it in the theater going in cold. Which is yeah, why the whole the whole thing with Wash it was like, huh? No kidding. Didn't have the emotional ah! impact. Yeah, and everybody else in the yeah, theater is screaming. We went over to the studio, and I had to take the phone. And Kriana, you were unintelligible. <laughs> My God. I just. But I, I, it works. It, it does work as a film. It's just you're. I, I think you're right. I think that uh, it's not an epic, epic film. I don't know. So, X, it, does that mean you agree with Firewalk With Me is just a, a fan-serving film? I didn't say fan-serving. Uh, I just don't think that it's, the writing... <laughs> I don't think that the, I don't think that the story and the writing and the film, filmography of that movie 
fits with Alien and Blade Runner and um, you know Empire. Empire. I don't think that I don't think that they're in the same category. I I love it, but it doesn't. It I don't I don't I don't connect them at all, and I don't see why they're in the same list. Well, like I said before, the only reason they were in this ended up in the same list was because of the way the bracket was designed. Hang on, let me pull up the bracket so you can see what the pairings were and why Serenity made it to the end because it actually did totally make sense. I'm sure it did, but the 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 I, I just think that putting it up as a film that i mean i mean some of the other films were way crappier okay hang on here is the entire entire list so walk walk through what serenity was up against all right hang on it's still loading it's quite large i mean here's the thing um i've already i've already slammed airlock alpha io9 stupid <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. So first of all, first of all, Serenity beat out Spider Man, duh. And then it beat out E. T. Duh. Okay. And then it beat out Back that. to the Future. See, I don't yeah. know about that because I think that E. T. is a way better movie than Serenity. And then it beat out Terminator. And, and then it beat Blade Runner. It me. Serenity beat out Blade Runner. It's just an internet poll. These people aren't necessarily smart, cultured, or ed- educated, or have ever well, seen Blade Runner. No, because if it was a if it was a comprehensive list, we'd have Heartbeat starring Andy Kaufman as a robot. Whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> Don't you diss Heartbeats? I mean, any film Bernadette Peters is ever in. I mean, okay, wait a minute, though. No, this conversation is over. (laughs) Thank you. No, but some of these films that ended up on here for the original, like, 32 or whatever, I don't, some of them I've never even heard of. Some of them are just weird. Like, I mean, you've got things. Forget it. I mean, you've got got things like Total Recall makes sense. Star Trek makes sense. And you've got something called They Live, which I've never heard of. Oh, oh no! no. They live. It's a Stephen King movie. You've got <laughs> something called Primer. You've got Gattaca Prime next to Wally. Primer you've... is a one of the is a movie that you should all see unless you're in China. You got Don, Donnie Darko. You've got Donnie Darko is you know... a fantastic movie. But Wait is it sci-fi when... really? Yes, it is. Yes, it's it's sci-fi. about time. It's totally okay. I mean, it's Escape from New York, really? That That's in your top 32 sci-fi movies, Escape from New Jake York? Jake Bliskin? Oh, man. <laughs> Come okay. on. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. He's he's going to diss an Andy Kaufman film, and you're going to diss Jake Bliskin? It, you, it, you think it belongs right up there with Forbidden Planet? Snake Bliskin? Snake Bliskin, dude. Of course it's Snake Bliskin. Well, you know, the, <laughs> I the can't only even get thing... the name right. The only thing that I'm going to say is that none of these movies, hopefully, will be able to compare to the Ender's Game movie, which is in pre-production, because the things that they're talking about, I mean, they are spending so much time talking about this movie. Um, They just released a a huge amount of information about how they're thinking about filming the Zero-G scenes, which are essential to the plot of the story. And, you know, they're treating it with a lot of respect which makes me hopeful. That's always a good sign. Doesn't happen very often. And oh. maybe 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 the Ender's Game movie will make it up into that tier of movies that we all hopefully see as awesome unless you're listening to the 
people from io9 um Stupid. so actually <laughs> actually the chat room makes a good point you know it's all well and good to say that you don't have the same connection to serenity without firefly but does empire really stand on its own without the other two movies no not at all not at all so yeah. invalid argument i say no okay no, thank I'm... you chat room <laughs> yes lot to you. both of you and the three yeah. guests who are hanging uh, out i'm gonna i want to argue <laughs> you can well, try. Okay. You can argue, but but Here's we the have point. to. It Empire, is time, guys. <laughs> Empire, what? Empire wasn't made to stand alone, whereas the movie was. The movie, compl Serenity, completely disregards all of the stuff that happened in Firefly. It doesn't, so, though. Yes, it oh, does. It reestablishes. No, it, it doesn't at all. It reestablishes a new timeline. It does Simon not. Doesn't, Simon doesn't get uh, his sister out in the same way. And it's eight thirty-two. Ah. Yeah, you're you're wrong. And I'm just going to leave it at that. So, <laughs> Terry Moore is our guest tonight. So, I'm going to give him a call right now. And if you're listening, Terry, I'm sorry. <laughs> He's probably drawing. He said he was going to be drawing, so. That's right. We could ask him what he's drawing. There you go. Hey, I'm drawing. What do you want? Oh. <laughs> It hurts my heart worse than Harlan Ellison. <laughs> and that's Satan's into the show. Oh, that explains it. How do you feel about Serenity, Terry? <laughs> I, I I thought that uh, Serenity was, uh, you know, a standalone piece. It didn't have the same heart and soul. Too fierce. Hmm. Was too so. fierce? Oh, actually, I mean the movie. The movie was Firefly, right? Serenity was the series. Was no, other no. way around. Other way around. Okay, then I stand on what I on my statement. I thought Serenity was kind of, you know, mean. Like they beat up the captain too much at the end. That was too much beating up. That fight scene at the end that went on for like fifteen minutes was was difficult. There's no question about it. it. You know, the guy should still be in a coma. You know, <laughs> I mean, instead he's a novelist. Who would have thought? Yeah, right. there's just not, nothing would save him. It, you would need a sonic screwdriver to save that guy after that beating. <laughs> <laughs> but not in China. <laughs> yeah, because they don't allow them in China, evidently. Anyhow, our guest is uh, Terry Moore. You can see Terry at Boston Comic Con April 30th and May 1st. We know Terry from his comic series Echo, which he is wrapping up rapidly, and a new upcoming series called Rachel Rising X. You're on. And Strangers in Paradise. And a, oh, yeah, you did that too, didn't you? That only lasted a couple <laughs> yeah. issues, right? <laughs> that was a long time ago, though. Probably before all you guys were born. Um, <laughs> at least me. Oh, yeah, no wow. kidding. <laughs> well, you are showing Terry. your age tonight, Kriana. You absolutely <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Works for me. <gasps> well, Terry, first of all, we want to all say congratulations on your recent Eisner nominations for Echo for Best Continuing Series and Best Writer Artist. Woo! Thanks, guys. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, you know, I'm a little, um, it's kind of bittersweet because, you know, I, I don't even know how many Eisners I've lost. I've lost them all. So, being nominated, <laughs> Have you it's kind of like, 
It's like, I'm like that classic thing where, you know, you love the person that never comes through for you, you know, so, um, you know, I'm always left at the altar when it comes to Eisner's. I'm, I'm happy to be nominated, but, you know, oh, God. Oh, Susan Hutchison. Oh. Well, you know, you don't need an Eisner. You have some of the most rabid, devoted fans I've ever seen. Yes. I mean... It's one thing for people to say, like, I'm an Alan Moore fan. I'm, you know, I'm a George Perez fan. Your fans have tattoos. <laughs> yeah, they wow. do. They really do. Yeah. Uh, and that's a scary thing because, you know, that's permanent. I mean, what if, what if I put out a crappy, what if they hate Rachel Rising and they want to take that tattoo off now and... Well, they're screwed. Wow. <laughs> well, it just means there's going to be a lot of fans out there called Stumpy. But... <laughs> I don't know. There what? are a lot of marks above young ladies' bosoms mm. because of SIP. So. And Well, that's true. <laughs> mm. oh. I want to get in on that. <laughs> I thought well, about um, getting a tattoo gun so that I could sign them in tattooing. <laughs> Oh, my God. That would be really cool. The line yeah. would just take forever, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing all my signings now with tattoo guns, yeah. <laughs> I love it. That's the best idea ever. Oh. So, Terry, you're, you're one issue away from completing Echo. Now, early on in the series, you started hyping your series with this quote, which blows me away. Terry Moore does an acre more straight-up memorable storytelling in one black-and-white issue of Echo than either of the two comics giants in a year's worth of their prolix, boring, barren crossover events. This, Echo, is what we would long for, would die for. Oh. Harlan Ellison. Harlan! We've had Harlan on the show. Um, <laughs> how did, did he talk you about me? And yes, and he wants his five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> How did you get him to give you such a great write up there? That's you know That's he praise gushed. That is high praise indeed from him. You know, there's a story behind that. Um, first of all, you cannot get Harlan to do anything he doesn't want to do. It's like trying to get trying to move a bull. I mean Harlan does what he wants. Um, because I learned this the hard way because when I was doing Strangers in Paradise and we first met and became friends and all that, um, I asked him at one point, I said, uh, would you mind, could I entice you to, to write a quote for Strangers in Paradise? And he it stopped me before he finished the sentence and said, no, 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 kid, don't ask me that because I, I hate being asked that. I, I, I do not write quotes for people and especially if I'm asked, and I'll only do it if I want to do it, and, you know, I'm, I'm busy, blah, 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 and he just flat turned me down, and I said, okay, I'll never ask that again. So I, I'm, I'm on Echo now, and I, I, you know, I keep in touch with Arlen, but, you know, I haven't heard from him in a little while, and I come back from uh, a convention travel weekend, and I find that on my fax machine, that quote, and it just showed up out of the blue. And I, I call him up, and I say, my God, Harlan, what are you doing? And he says, I don't have time to talk. I'm making a sandwich. What do you want? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, this quote is just unbelievable. And he said, well, you deserve it. Can I go eat now? <laughs> 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 I, 
<laughs> yeah, that sounds like him. Oh, <laughs> uh, I mean, that's, that's my story behind the quote. So I, I print it proudly because it was hard-earned. I guess so. Or so. a gift from the gods, a gift from the, the, the writing gods. That's right. Well, for our listeners who have never read Echo, uh, how would you just sum it up? Hmm. It's brief. It's only 30 issues long. How's that? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it's it's a story about, jeez, um, you know, this is really hard for me because my answer is thirty issues long. I suppose uh, it's what happens when nice girls explode. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, there's a, it starts off with an exploding girl, and it gets on this other girl, and. She freaks out, and then these guys shoot at her, and then she runs. And, oh, no, the other the exploding girl's inside her. What do they do now? And so they run some more, and then there's a crazy sister, and then, uh, oh, she's shiny, so there's no hiding at night. There's no way she's going to hide at night because she's too shiny, so they have to be careful. They go to a hotel, and a bunch of bikers get blown to bits, and, oh, my God, was that a spoiler? Sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah, actually, be careful. We, we have someone in the chat room. Here, who is sensitive to spoilers? I don't know if you're in the chat room listening, but so I don't know. It's a sci-fi story about what happens when um, <laughs> this lady figures out a way to recalculate the, our math system. Our math is on base level ten, or base ten. So she's intrigued by the whole uh, phi ratio syndrome that you know we find everywhere in nature. 1.618 ratio. So she recalculates all the atomic uh, calculations based on uh, uh, to a base system of phi. And suddenly everything works. I mean, everything is that we lose, she loses all of her mathematical limits and she can marry mineral and organic seamlessly. And she comes up with this liquid metal alloy that is infused with atomic power. And um, she sees it as a medical breakthrough, but the people funding the project see a weapon. And that's kind of where we start on page one. We, we catch a moving train or an exploding train, however you want to look at it. And that's the start of the story. And everything else is spoilers. <laughs> no spoilers. Yeah. So, but now you're going to give us an exclusive and reveal everything that's going to happen in issue 30 right now, aren't you? Yeah, I, one word. Boom. <laughs> one really big bang. I mean, how many, how many people get a chance to blow up the world? I have a chance now to blow up the world in issue 30. I'm seriously thinking about doing it. Um, <laughs> That's kind of awesome. No. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> I love it. This is my you evil have, laugh. <laughs> I mean... Not too spoilery, you have insinuated that this is the same world as Strangers in Paradise. Are you yeah, really tragic, ready huh? to blow up that world? <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> you can always retcon it later. Thought? I mean, that's your first that's thought. You don't, you're not close. saying, hey, you know, spare America, spare Europe, spare China. You're, think, you're saying spare Francine? That's it. <laughs> screw America. Screw Europe. Whatever. <laughs> you know what? I, I'm no, voting. I'm I'm voting too. for Strangers in Paradise. Spare Francine, please, please. Oh, okay. 
Well, that's all I really wanted was somebody to talk me out of it. So, okay, cool. Cool. I, because, you know, I, I, I'm going to diverge momentarily oh, into Strangers in Paradise and just say it's freaking amazingly wonderful. And I love it. I, I read a, uh, an interview that you did about Strangers in Paradise and you're, you, you quoted as saying, love is good, labels are bad. I learned that from the Beatles, blame them. The subtext of Strangers in Paradise is, what if the love of your life is your best friend? And boom, there you go. It's, you know, it's just really nice. And, you know, with all the pain and the angst and everything else, it's amazing. Thank you. I, I, I appreciate that. It was definitely a labor of love. And uh, for the entire period that I worked on it, I just felt like uh, I was really a, a fortunate guy to be able to get up every morning. And that was my mission was to make another page of Strangers in Paradise. I get it. Yeah, I get it. It's, it's, you know, and people who read it, uh, cause I have a couple of friends uh, at my job who have read it and they just kind of go, when, when they heard you on, they went, oh, have you read Strangers in Paradise? I'm like, well, yeah. And they went, so, <laughs> what? And, and they look at me with these, these eyes and go, what did you think? Because that's, that's in the long run, what Strangers in Paradise and what Echo does. It, it takes the writer and grabs them into, what do you think? Mm. And it wow. works. Oh, nice. I, you know, it's, um, the whole thing kind of started because I was thinking about people I kept seeing but didn't know anything about. That's really kind of what started Standard Paradise was going through for several years just noticing people and wondering what they were like and what their life was like. And um, my imagination started running off with me. And um, so I decided I wanted to write a story about an ensemble cast that with the kind of people we could actually meet as opposed to iconic people or heroes or larger than a lot of people. But more like, you know, normal people with a lot of flaws and good days and really horrible days and things like that. So that I don't know, because I wanted, I was thinking about certain kind of people that I had a lot of questions about, and then just trying to write about people like that. Um, it, obviously, there were a lot of question marks in this, a lot of question marks about the people and what they might do next. I was always delighted when I was writing Stranger's Paradise, and the characters would surprise me by what came out of their mouth. Because once you started getting in the zone or channeling, you know, it's kind of like improv acting. And things come out of your mouth or come out of the, come out of the fiber that, you know, surprise you. And you think, whoa, where'd that come from? So it was, it was a, a lot of fun to work on something like that. It had to be. It had to be because the characters have their own life, which, because they're not tonic, because they're not, like you said, they're not superheroes. They're actual people. And when you write it and it comes out of your mind, it works. And yeah. sorry, I, I'm getting fanboy on you, and I don't mean to. But it's, <laughs> You're pontificating it's that happens, dome. It's what happens Terry? when people talk about your work. T speaking um, of, of how these came about, Terry, how did you did Echo come about? Was it something you saw in you know New Science magazine, or what kind of got you interested in this whole idea of living metal suit and 
You know, the whole metal balloon suit thing and all that was really very, very downstream of the original um, inspiration. The, the inspiration was um, marrying, taking the whole five uh, phenomenon and applying it to Einstein's universe. Because at this point, if you go to websites all about the phi ratio, um, they're pointing out phi all over the place, but they're not actually trying to apply it into working situations and build something new and aggressive with it. It's more like observation, like, oh, look, this is where credit card ratios came from. This is where the Fibonacci numbering system came from. Oh, look, it's how the Egyptians built everything. Oh, look, it's in rose petals. It's in galaxy spirals, blah, blah, blah. It's everywhere. But they're not doing anything with it, you know? It's just observation. So I thought, you know, what? when we get past the marveling at it, uh, somebody's going to pick it up and start plugging it in here and there and see where it fits, you know? And so that's what I was thinking that my scientist lady character would do is, what would you do? Well, the first thing I would do is go after the biggest problem we have with science right now, which is atomic weaponry, nukes. And um, it just kind of went from there. You know, the really, i got to say, too, that the idea of recalculating the math system was is not an original idea. I first saw it in The Man Who Fell to Earth, Nicholas Groeg's uh, story. Uh, if you remember in the David Bowie film, uh, the way some guy figured out that he was alien was he was looking at David Bowie's plans for the rocket ship that was meant to take him back home to Mars and all the math on the plans was to base 12 and it worked oh wow yeah and that just stuck with me all those years you know I, how long has it been since I've seen that movie 95 years or something but and I always thought that was very <laughs> clever you know I can't that say movie that's was what actually made uh, movie. <laughs> it was made during the Civil War yeah that movie was actually shot oh. by Matthew Brady. But, yes. Um, <laughs> anyway, the idea, just, the idea stuck with me, you know, and, and later on, and I needed something after SIP. I wanted something really different, and I love sci-fi. I'm, I grew up loving the guys from the 50s and 60s, and I love that kind of sci-fi where the, it stays terror-bound, that the Earth is weird enough if you look in the right corners. You know, I didn't, I didn't need a joke space mm. fantasy yet. You can get you can get the bejeebies scared out of you right here on this planet and get in way over your head, you know. So that's where I wanted to stay with it. Well, now speaking of that, your new series that's going to be debuting in a few months, Rachel Rising, is a horror s series, right? Yeah, it came out saying horror, but maybe I should say supernatural, because horror in implies gore, and I'm not well. I love gore, just like you guys do. I mean, we all—you can't get enough gore, right? But I don't really want to. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't want to look at gore day and night, twenty-four-seven, right? But I, I don't think. Maybe I'll soften that and just say no. It's really more supernatural, you know. But it has okay. a tender side to it. And a tender gore. Yeah, okay. it's tender gore. It's a new category. It's a new. It's a, <laughs> so, so tender. it could be described as the squishy stuff, tender gore. <laughs> uh, I need sure. to talk, check with my lawyer on that one. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, Senator. I just do not recall. Okay. What is Are a copy machine? I don't know. Yeah. I just do not recall. 
I, actually, the idea for um, Rachel Rising started while I was working on Birds of Prey for DC. Um, I really have this vendetta against Batman. I really don't like Batman at all. And I, so I went to the Batman editor and I said, you know, I really wait. hate Batman. You should let me write him. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Back up. Why don't you like Batman? <laughs> well, he's not... He, for, I guess the, I, I stopped liking him when he got into this cycle of uh, continuing to capture the Joker and putting him in Arkham Asylum instead of just blowing him away or dropping him off a high bridge. It's just... Batman's as bad as anybody else because he's not stopping everything. He's just kind of like, you know... Um, he, I don't see him as a good guy anymore. So, and I, I realized when I was working on Birds of Prey that the problem is because he has no woman in his life to, you know, balance him. He's like one of those guys that obviously dresses himself, you know? You can tell guys that don't live with a woman. You can tell the guys that don't live with a woman in their life. You can tell them. And Batman is just, I mean, he's blatant. So, I wanted to introduce a character into the Bat family that was going to confuse them and, and, and be kind of odd, and they can't figure the character out. And the codename for this character was going to be Dead Girl, where Batman would encounter her or Batgirl or whoever, and she would die this horrible death, and then the next night she was back, and they couldn't figure her out. Um, and I saw, you know, visions of what was happening in the morgue and stuff like that, and it just creeps me out. But I didn't stay on that title long enough to uh, give them the girl, the character, I'm glad. So I kept her in the back of my mind, waiting her turn, and um, everybody, all my friends, they all have heard me talk about Dead Girl, Dead Girl, Dead Girl. And so now it's time for that story, and um, now her name is Rachel, so it's Rachel Rising. Ooh, this is exciting. Cool. So, this is coming mm -hmm. out in what, in July? Yeah, it comes out in July. The only reason it's not called Dead Girl is because Mike Allred already created a character and published uh, yeah, it. Okay, from thank you. From Ecstatics. <laughs> I was yeah. wondering about that. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason there. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate that. <laughs> oh, that's excellent. Hey, I, one other thing. Um, again, you're... Uh, you're going to be at the Boston Comic Con show on April 30th and May 1st this year. Um, I am. And uh, uh, rumor you has it. better be because yeah. we're expecting to see you there. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get to meet us all in the flesh. I'll be there. But I'm I, dead redhead. <laughs> but I saw something on your site that I thought was interesting. Uh, you won't do sketches at the shows anymore. Um, any Any particular reason why you don't do that? Well, um, it's because there's never time. Um, what happens at the show is it's... Um, I never get a line anymore because the way you get a line is to do sketches and make them stand there and wait for them. So I, I don't do it anymore, but it's just one person after another. I spend the whole show um, shaking hands and talking to people and things like that. And then, you know, that's, that's all we do. And then at night, you know, you go eat, you go back to the room and collapse, and nobody can get their sketches done. So I was wondering what to do about it the last year, and I noticed that um, some of the other guys were selling their sketch list ahead of the show, and then they just they do it ahead of time, and then they come to the show, and they just deliver the sketches to the guys that were going to be there. And then they had this show, 
instead of keeping their heads down the whole show, they were able to look up and meet people and talk. So I tried it this year on a few shows. worked out great. So that's the routine I'm trying now. Is so far, so good, too, i got to tell you. This is not the first that we've heard of this strategy. Tyler James, we had on earlier, he does 50 free sketch cards for people um, who want to pick mm-hmm. them up, but he, he definitely reiterated the same thing that you just said about wanting to really interact with people instead of, you know, having a head bent over a sketch pad the whole time. Yeah, because when I start drawing, I zone out, and um, so, you know, that's a rude guest, actually. <laughs> so it's it's better for me if I'm not drawing at the table. Um, otherwise, it's, it's trying to get me to talk is hopeless. Wow. Well, I am a proud owner of a kachu as a vampire mermaid mummy, and I have the only one, and nobody can have it. <laughs> What was Is that, that a real us? sketch? Did I really do that? That's, oh, it's awesome. Uh, I think it was at the Small Press Expo about a million years ago. I have people yeah. so jealous of that sketch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's bizarre. I didn't know I'd done that. Was I great? <laughs> <laughs> if you want, we can scan it and send it to you for your site. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. I'm kind of afraid to see it, but okay. Oh no, it's awesome. <laughs> Are you kidding? Every time every time we walk into the house they show it off. Trust yes. me on this. <laughs> you know, you know, Dead Redhead, you should scan it, have it printed nicely and, and give it to him at Comic Con. Oh, okay. I'm kind of afraid to put it on the site because somebody might get a tattoo of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And then they won't like Rachel rising and off goes their leg and uh... There we go. So we're looking forward to Rachel Rising coming up uh, very shortly. We're looking forward to seeing you at Boston Comic-Con. Anything else you got coming up in the near future, Terry? Actually, there is. Uh, It's so funny that you mentioned that. Thank you for asking. Um, Between the end of Echo and the first issue of Rachel Rising, there's going to be a month in between there. And in that month, I'm going to release the first chapter of Many to Come on how to draw um, and the first yeah. chapter is going to be how to draw women. Oh, that that's just oh. not going to work at all for you. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it's going to be... That, that you and the Hernandez brothers probably draw the best women in comics. <laughs> I would never say that, but I'm so glad you said that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Uh, it's my, the, that chapter is going to be a lot better than my pathetic uh, two-sentence chapter on perspective, which I have no clue how it works. But <laughs> I, I, just, I had this idea, actually it was my wife's idea, to um, do a how-to-draw book, but make it a chapter at a time, release the chapters as you know periodicals, uh, 24-page comic, and put like, two, three, or four of those out a year, and then when I get, you know, 10 to 12 chapters, collect it all into the book, and then put that out. And um, and it's not how how to draw, like, you know, this is the empirical truth. It's more like how I draw, how I do it, and what I think about when I'm drawing, say, um, a person, and, and how I, what I think of and for anatomy, and how I compensate for my strong eye or my weaknesses or my flaws or, you know, how I get by with this or that. And I, I, you know, more of a practical thing for working cartoonists to 
So uh, that's going to come out. Stuff. So that's going to come out in the next month or so. Yeah, that's a, that'll be out in June. Neat. So we're going to look for Terry Moore's "How to Draw Women." I always wanted to know how to draw. I like women. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Yeah. And are you, you going to say "and" on that note now? Because I can start the music. And I was just about <laughs> to say "and" on that note. Is it a C sharp? Oh, it's a C flat major. Oh, oh. E flat. It's the coming up calendar. Well, speaking of the Boston Comic Con, next week we grill Colin Solon with your questions, quizzes, and queries about this year's Boston Comic Con show. Then on April 23rd, filmmaker Thomas Gofton returns to celebrate the conclusion of his web series, Mind's Eye. On April 30th and May 1st, meet the Sci Fi Saturday Night cast and someone by the name of Terry Moore at the Boston Comic Con. On May 7th, our author's special series returns, our Robert Anton Wilson tribute featuring Disinformation and Dangerous Minds founder Richard Metzger. Woo! On May 14th, Mike Dougherty and Andrew Marnick give us the latest news on their charity film, Brown Coats Redemption. And on May 15th, meet the Sci-Fi Saturday Night cast at the Granite State Comic Con. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of the Boston Comic-Con coming up on April 30th and of Comic Art House, your one and only source for original comic artwork. Visit Bob and Kim Shaw at ComicArtHouse.com for the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is one of the official podcasts of the Granite State Comic-Con coming up on May 15th. Tonight's outro music provided by Zenoys. Pick up their CD, The Benevolent Beast, on iTunes and see them at the Jam Factory in Manchester next weekend. Dome? I want to thank our guest, Terry Moore. It's been an enlightening half hour with him. And I want to thank the crew from the Austin Brighton Hellmouth outside of Boston, our sweetheart of the soundboard, Kriana. I'm having a little dance party right now because this is the most smoothly the coming up calendar has gone since I don't remember when. Yarg. <laughs> Yarg. And from the Four Color Vault of Comics, great thanks to Illustrator X and the Dead Redhead. Uh, Dome, if I was any closer to you, I'd be in back of you. Oh. Ew. And from Outpost Gallifrey, our gaming editor, thank you, Java. I'm signing off and shipping out, but not to another time zone because I might be in China. <laughs> And from all of us, this is Dome saying, Genie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy is increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everybody. It worked! It worked! It worked! <laughs>